in, everyone. How is everyone doing? I hope everyone is doing well. Uh, it is Monday night. Monday night, which means that we've been we've had to endure the long weekend. But we are here, and we're ready to talk about what's been going on in the news, what's been going on in the world, and uh, and and obviously uh, our discussion for Friday night. I promised you guys a discussion about convention estates, and I failed to provide that for you guys. So today. Today, we will have that conversation. We'll front load it, actually. We're going to front load that conversation to make sure that you guys get that one because I think it's it's very important. It's one of those discussions that whether you're on the left, the right, um, libertarian, wherever you are, I think that everyone has their different uh, point of view on this. And I think that certainly it's it's um, with the recent events here in South Carolina where that's been passed at our uh, GOP state convention. Which, if you guys are not familiar, uh, South Carolina is ran by the Democrats with the R's next to their names. Uh, the big guys, the big government fellows, uh, those advocating for more taxes and whatnot. So um, they passed that through the GOP uh, convention, the party, um, and expected to see that coming up for uh, for the actual <clears throat> um, for the actual members there in Congress to discuss about getting involved with the Article 5 Convention of the States. So, everybody always wonders, what side are you on, Jason? How do you feel about uh, the idea of the Convention of States? And I'm not somebody that believes that if Article 6 cannot be followed, that Article 5 will somehow make Article 6 um, be followed. Um, a, bit, a bunch of the big stances that are being taken by the Convention of States, those who are advocating for it. Um, there's really two big ones and a third one that's really not a not a big issue, not a big topic that I think is going to really get ground. Um, it's kind of a, a vague uh, stance. But the first two, the first one is term limits for Congress. We've seen this be pushed through uh, a couple of states, and that's been... Um, to say that the results have benefited that state would, uh, I believe, would be dishonest. We've seen this in Colorado as well as in Michigan, where um, pushing term limits. What that has done is that has made it to where you have a much younger uh, crowd of people there in Congress pushing laws, pushing legislation, and running through um, without having experience there. It's been a little bit more uh, chaotic, a little bit less, um, a little bit less trustworthy in the way that legislation is being pushed through it also means that your um not your advocacies your your bureaucrats are going to have a little more influence they're going to be able to to guide these congress people through and and certainly me as a small limited government person um the smaller the better the more limited the better i don't think that giving people who are unelected more power through uh through the guise of, of limiting the government through term limits, necessarily we will be providing that. Also, I want to make sure that it's clear that, um, and you guys are more than welcome to uh, dispute this, but the idea of term limits is actually is just limiting the voter themselves. This is limiting you, the individual, you, the constituent. Because when you look at this, let's say, find your idol. Find that one member of Congress that you enjoy, that you like, that stands on uh, the most platforms that you agree with and that you support. Now understand how many other members of Congress have come and gone that you do not agree with. You would realize that you are in the vast, vast, vast minority of members of Congress. 
So you're willing to sacrifice your good guy in hopes that more of your good guys will come along later. And I don't think that necessarily um, that that is a very logical or well thought out idea. So you're going to be hurting yourself. You're going to be limiting your vote on who you can vote for. We'll have the same limitations that we do for for the presidency. And uh, so I, I, I don't think that the term limits necessarily will be a good thing. Now, the second stance is taken for Convention of States. Um, the second sta stance is a balanced budget. Now, balanced budget sounds great, right? You have your revenue and you have your spending, and they have to be pretty close. If not, you have to have your revenue a little bit higher than your spending. Now, if we just say, look, you have to have a balanced budget, what does that mean? Does that mean that we have to cut the spending down to revenue? Does that mean that we have to increase the revenue to, to the spending? Does it mean we'll probably find a middle ground in the middle? Of course, it's it's probably the latter, if not just grow the, the revenue outright. Um, expecting that we're going to somehow implement new amendments to the Constitution, that it will somehow just draw back the government and not actually enable it to grow further. I think that that's where we get into the wishful thinking. We get into the hopes and dreams of things and not necessarily getting to where um, – what trend has been set by government in the past and that is that it grows and it grows and it grows and it never does shrink and if, if it does shrink it, it's by a a fraction of what is what was grown um you'll see this from um actually from good auctioneers if you go down to to any auctioneering place they put a, a high bid out there and then they bring it down lower and then it comes back up right you never you never get back down to that zero and and certainly right auctioneers never want to get it to zero they want to make money in the same way that the government does. It wants to gain power. It wants to continue growing power because if you don't if, – if the government doesn't have that power, if it doesn't have that control over the markets, over healthcare, over um, your personal lives, over your, your vehicles, over the economy, whatever it is, um, if it doesn't have that control over it, it's not a necessary being on that. And then they themselves are less appreciated. Now, everyone, of course, wants to feel appreciated. Um, whether you're a, a podcast host, whether you're a TV show star, or whether you're just the average Joe working in, in your business, you it feels good to be appreciated if it's for the work that you've been doing. And so certainly, it's well understood as to why government wants to be within that. So when we talk about the second point of the convention of states and that is to grow or to balance the budget it's not specific it's not controlling it's not limiting it's it's just allowing the government to or it's just forcing the government to balance these budgets and really at the end of the day what we could see is bernie sanders comes in bernie sanders comes along gets elected president of the united states and he whips congress into shape and and congress is now all right we got to get a, a balanced revenue in here we got to get a balanced uh budget in here and so what we do is we'll have the top marginal rates, 83%. And then that's not enough. And so he goes further down the line. Now the middle class is being taxed at 80% in order to make sure that the revenue stays neutral or uh, the, the revenue and spending remain somewhat neutral. Um, that doesn't sound like that amendment really is going to be getting the end results that we want to. So both of those really um, – I can understand the intent for them. I don't agree with the implementation for them. And so I, I'm certainly not one that uh, that agrees with the Convention of States idea. Uh, it was, in I think, objectively looking at the way South Carolina did it through the GOP party platform. Um, I think it was really rammed down. There was a, it was a vocal voice. Uh, it was a vocal count, 
not a vocal count, but it was just a vocal vote. There was no counting involved, and so it, it was really pushed through. There was a lot of people set up on both sides that wanted to discuss the matter, both for and against. They both were silenced by the uh, by the chairman there at the state, and 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 I think that that really does give credence to the idea that the convention of states can kind of do as they want to do. Um, if if they can implement it on, on how they want to, then at the same time, then the way that they're going to be pushing the legislation would be uh, along the same lines. As well as another big point with this of the runaway convention idea is that who appoints the delegates for talking at the convention of states? Well, it would be none other than your uh, Senate leader of your state. So ours is Hugh Leatherman. Hugh Leatherman has been known to be a corrupt individual. He's a guy that likes to to fill up his pockets. He likes to to redistribute the wealth of the state back into his county of Florence County, South Carolina. He likes to do a lot of things that uh, are are quite unethical and and unbecoming of the position of which he resides in. And so with all of that understanding, why would I want to give him more power to be able to push for changes on the national constitution? I, I, I just, every time I look at this convention of states, and, and certainly there's plenty of limited government people out there that believe in it, I just, I look at it and I, I think it's it's a good intention, it's a good premise, it's a good idea, but the but the but the truth of it all, the path that you take is not going to be to a betterment of America, and it's certainly not going to be a betterment of the Constitution. And so, I hope I've I've given you guys a wide enough picture on this. I hope that I've I've given you guys a, a, a decent enough um, discussion on this to, to where maybe you guys have your own comments, you have your own co- questions, your own concerns, and and feel free, feel free to drop them on me. Um, drop them in the comment section below, whether you're on YouTube, if you're on Muddy Waters Periscope, if you're on Mr. Beard's, uh, Mr. Beard's uh, Periscope, you might want to hop on over to Muddy Waters. We, I'll still get your chats nonetheless, but it'd be good to come on over to the Muddy Waters. Give us a follow over there um, as we will be transitioning full time over there and not be utilizing Mr. Bearded Truth for the shows. Um, or if you're on Facebook, drop those comments below. Questions, comments, concerns about Convention of States. So, now that I've got that all wrapped up, now that I've got that all away, let's do an actual introduction. So if this is your first time here, my name is Mr. Murica, the Beard of Truth, Jason Lyon. I am your neighborhood-friendly libertarian talking to you about politics and social issues that go on not only around the country, but also around the world. Um, I want to bring it back to the individual. I want to empower you because when you, when you empower the individual, you are taking the, the power from others. You are taking the power from the collective. You're taking the power from the government, and you're presiding it in the only minority that matters, and that is the individual. Um, I want to give a big thank you and a big shout out to Muddy Waters Media for giving me a platform to come out and give you my views, my opinions, my my stances on uh, on the mat- on the the topics of concern on on the events that are going on, the current events. And uh, so, thank you to Muddy Waters Media for giving me this, and thank you all. Thank you all for coming in tonight. Um, I appreciate all of your comments, all of your your, uh, questions, all of your support, your shares, your likes, your retweets, whatever it is that you've done in order to support us, whether it's just sitting here and listening to me drone on for hours on end, I want to thank you. Thank you so much for your support. 
And if you are coming in and you're checking this out after after the show's done and you want to just listen to this in podcast form, do check us out over there on on Anchor FM. Check us out on on Spotify, on uh Amazon or not Amazon, on iTunes. We're all over the place when it comes to the podcast. So your favorite podcast app may have us on there. So Muddy Waters Media, you'll be able to check us out Monday through Friday. You got me, Mr. Merka, the Beard of Truth, Jason Line on Mondays and Fridays, starting off and and finishing off the weeks. Uh, Tuesday nights, you've got Spat, uh, Spike and Matt. I always try to put the names together. Spike and Matt uh, for uh, Muddy Waters Freedom. Wednesday, you've got uh, My Fellow Americans with Spike. And then Thursday night with Matt on the writer's block. So we got a, a full week every week. And uh, so you can always tune in live. Or you can also catch us on the podcast app. So thank you guys all once again for being here. We do have quite a few topics that I want to get through tonight. Um, the first one is one that hits really home for me as I lose my headphones. Um, one that really hits home for me. And that is this Virginia Beach shooting. Now you guys may think, oh, oh he's not from Virginia. And I agree. I'm not from Virginia. I'm not from Virginia Beach. I've, I've spent only hours in Virginia and that's just the drive through of this place. I'm not a huge fan of Virginia. But we will get to why this hits home for me here in a little bit. So, if you guys had missed the news, um on Friday night on Friday night on in Virginia Beach at one of the municipal buildings, the Virginia Beach Municipal Center there was a gunman who went through all three floors of this building and managed to shoot 12 people. Of course, every time that there's a killing, of course, every killing that is done, uh, not in self-defense, defense of oneself or one's, uh, you know, without having that threat. Of course, these are, are destructive, disgusting, um, and need to be denounced wholeheartedly. Um, he went through and was shooting with a 45 caliber uh, handgun. So you AR-15 gun grabbers, I'm sorry. You got to sit this one out. You don't get to talk on this one. Um, the individual, the shooter, who shall not be named, of course. The shooter was not a white person. So therefore, you know, the left, you have to sit this one out as well. So gun grabbers, the left, synonymous in many cases. Sit this one out. This one's not for you. Um, he came through and he shot up the place after providing his two-week notice that morning. Now, his two-week notice finally was released out to the public. I want to officially put in my two-weeks notice to vacate my position as Engineer 3 with the City of Virginia Beach. It has been my pleasure to serve the city, but due to personal reasons, I must relieve my position. So far, this is the only understanding of why the shooting has gone on. Um, it is a big, giant aura of mystery sitting around this, uh, much like what we saw with the Las Vegas shooter. Now... If you guys remember all the way back to the Las Vegas shooter from last October, maybe, or sorry, two Octobers ago, you would recall that there was a specific tweet from Hillary Clinton. There was a specific tweet from Hillary Clinton that I spoke about because it, it, it really showed um, the level of fear-mongering that is, that is sought to be used in order to diminish the value of, of gun rights. Her tweet after that atrocious killing of, I believe it was 58 individuals killed 
there at the the concert was now imagine if he had a suppressor imagine if he had a suppressor now this shows that once again that the left hillary clinton i'm going to attribute her to the left because uh she definitely is um the left has no understanding of firearms the left has no understanding of firearm accessories I work with firearms and firearm accessories, so I might know a thing or two about suppressors themselves, especially since that's what I work with. Now, when it comes to a suppressor, a suppressor does not make a weapon any more lethal. It does not enhance the gun in any way that makes it more destructive, that makes it more damaging, that makes it more intimidating, that does anything other than quiet by a couple, by 10, 20, maybe if you've got a really good suppressor, 30 decibels. Now that's not a lot of noise when you look at the fact that a, a firearm, a naked firearm can, you know, can range from anywhere from like a 22 where I believe it's about 120 decibels to 130 decibels. So it will cause permanent hearing damage if you uh, fired enough next to your ear. All the way up to, you know, one of the heavier calibers where you're pushing 150, 160, 170 decibels. Reduce that by 20 to 30 decibels. You're still, with the exception of the uh, 22, still within the need for hearing protection. But it will, as what we've seen from, from attempts from some Republicans and the attempts from gun advocates... And for those who work with suppressors to understand that suppressors are there for hearing protection, which is why we have seen many, many bills coming out um, in an attempt to push for hearing conservation acts to make it easier for one to obtain a suppressor. Now, I want, I want you guys to think about um, maybe you guys aren't informed on this, and so I, I want to provide this with you guys. The way that you obtain a firearm here in the United States, you can go and you can collect them through private sales. And private sales, of course, if it's private to private and it's not like a normal business, then it's not illegal in order to sell. So you can just sell um, pretty well outright. Not a very smart decision just to, to sell guns in that way, but you're more than free to do so. Um, the, the Second Amendment and the Fourth Amendment really protect that. But if you go and you buy it from a dealer, you go in, you fill out some paperwork, you you basically give them permission to do a background screening on you, to look into your history a little bit, to understand who you are, to see if you've got a criminal record, to see what you've been involved with, if you're going to be a trustworthy person with a firearm. And then within the next, say, three days, you're able to go and pick up your firearm. When it comes to suppressors... When it comes to suppressors, the thing that doesn't make it any more lethal, the thing that doesn't make it any more scary, you go in and you say, all right, shop, I would like to purchase this suppressor. I would like to purchase this suppressor to place it on my 22 uh, caliber handgun, a, a very small caliber handgun. Um, that is very quiet to begin with, but I would like to make it a little more quiet. Maybe, maybe to train my kids how to shoot, maybe to just have fun, whatever it is, maybe to shoot some vermin out in the yard, whatever it is, your prerogative. So you go ahead and you spend the couple hundred dollars. 
um, you go ahead and you spend a couple hundred dollars and you buy that suppressor because suppressors are not cheap by any means. Despite the ease of which you can replicate them, despite the ease of which you can manufacture one, they're not very cheap. So you buy one. Do you get to walk home with it that day? No, 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 not at all. You first, because the NFA, National Firearms Act, has prevented them from being sold uh, with ease. You have to give them $200. Hey, government, here's $200. I would like to purchase this. Can I have this? Can I have it? Well, no, 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 hold on. We need your fingerprints. All right, so now you have to give your fingerprints. You didn't have to give your fingerprints when you bought a firearm, but you had to do it when you got when you got a suppressor. All right, now we got that. Now we need your permission to do a background check. Now we're going to go into your background. Mm. So they start digging through your background. You're like, all right, sweet. It's going to be over soon. I'm going to be able to get my fire or my, my suppressor here in a minute. And they go, all right, you're going to have to wait 8 to 12 months. So I got a firearm. I just picked up, bought it three days ago. But in order to make this firearm quiet, a little more quiet, I have to wait 8 to 12 months. Ugh. After giving the crown $200 for permission to preserve my hearing. Now, going back to this event, the shooter was using a 45 caliber handgun and had affixed onto it a suppressor. The media has gone insane. Of course, because the media doesn't care about the truth behind what these things are. They don't care about how it works. Sure, there's people that didn't understand what the sound was. Uh, you can have gunshots and people go, oh, what is that? You know, what's banging? What's going on? It's, it's, never, um, it's never something that's clear for people unless you've been around in that environment. So with this event, he had a suppressor. How's it going, John? Uh, he had a suppressor. He was firing around. There was one person that thought it was a nail gun. Regardless, killed 12 people, and the media has gone insane about this. And they had actually asked President Trump, the suspect in Virginia Beach shooting used a silencer on his weapon. Do you believe that silencers should be restricted? If you believe that President Trump took the stance that he took, when he was on the campaign trail and he promised us, you guys need a strong defender of the Second Amendment. You guys need someone that's going to come in and fight to restore your Second Amendment rights. That's going to fight to restore your ability to, to protect yourself, to defend your life, your liberty, your pursuit of happiness. I'm going to be that person for you. If you believe that he took that stance or do you believe that he took the bump stock stance? John, feel free to ask your question. Well, he took the bump stock ban stance. He says, I don't like them at all. Now, this is where he has actually gone contrary to what his son has taken. His son, Donald Trump Jr. Donald Trump Jr. is one of those advocates for the Hearing Protection Act. He has been a supporter of this. Don Jr., Second Amendment supporter. President Trump single-handedly passed more gun control than his gun control advocate predecessor, President Obama. President Obama has opened up through Congress, utilizing Congress, has opened up two different bills in order to open up gun regulations to enable you to be able to carry in national parks 
and to be able to carry or to be able to have your weapons on you in your luggage when you take a train. President Trump has made 10-year felons for somebody owning a firearm accessory called a bump stock. Now, a bump stock can be simulated by utilizing just your finger and your belt loop. But nonetheless, if you have that piece of plastic, you have that piece of rubber, you have whatever it is that you need in order to achieve the bump stock status, and you are found out you are a 10-year felon, and now... (coughs) Pardon me. It doesn't look like President Trump is in favor of the silencers either either or the suppressors um so what accessories does president trump like can we ask him how he feels about i don't know magazines can we ask him how he feels about scopes where is it my question is okay let me let me go to john's question real quick john's question is okay thanks my question is despite the republican democrat differences don't you think the number of shootings is alarming and that we need to do something. I do. I do think that the number of shootings are alarming. I think that there's a serious issue um, here within the society of America. I think that we have uh, we have ignored the histories of the past. We have ignored the truths of what other countries have undergone. And that is that just because we advocate for gun control does not make the people safer. Now, the, the aspirations, the desires for... Um, controlling weapons, controlling what kind of weapons, controlling um, the ways in which people obtain their weapons. This is all well and good when it comes to legal um, legal people. But the problem is, is that there's a black market. Whenever you regulate, whenever you control, whenever you um, prohibit the sale or the transfer or the use of certain things, that instantly pops up a black market we saw this with prohibition it would be no same for firearms it would be or be no different with firearms it would be no different than with drugs um we've seen this time and time again um so when it comes to the number of shootings what we have to look at is there's a lot of really good statistics out there to to really focus on in order to get a better understanding of how these work now the municipal center that was just shot up this was in a gun-free zone much like 98% of mass shootings. They happen in gun-free zones. So it's not a matter of of there's too many guns out there. It's a matter of when you create, when you legislate soft, soft spots, you have lawless people who commit multiple crimes in order to kill others, ignoring those laws, and you have those who abide by the laws, those who uh, believe that the government has your best intentions at heart, that are left defenseless and ultimately killed. So I am of the belief that an armed populace is a defended populace. You think gun control is not effective, what are your solutions then, other than gun control? Gun control is, is... Absolutely what it says. It's control. What it is is it controls who's allowed to and who's not allowed to. Um, When you have those level of controls, um, the question becomes is how do we implement those? Um, If you say mentally unstable, now who gets to define what mentally unstable is? Oftentimes, they're not going to be addressing to... to actual people within the fields. And even when you address those people in the fields, they may be overstepping their boundaries or they may not be going far enough in in the opinions of many. Um, So that means that there's going to be innocent people that are going to be having their guns taken away um, or 
prevented from from getting those and so there there's a huge issue so my my hope is that what we can do is we can follow along right we school shootings are are extremely um hard right because it's innocent children being killed if we look at schools across this country that have placed signs in front of their schools saying that the teachers are armed regardless on if the teachers are actually armed or not there's not been one of those schools that has had a school shooter when we look at the pole shooter from the pulse club down in florida when we look at the way that he had um gone through that event it was made clear that he went to multiple bars that night prior to going to the Pulse Club. And when he, the reason why he picked the Pulse Club, I believe if I recall correctly, it was the fourth bar that he went to that night. The reason why he picked Pulse was because that was the one that did not have armed security. So if we have a populace that is enabled and encouraged to be able to defend themselves, much like what Switzerland is. Maybe just maybe there'd be a lot less, uh, there'd be a lot more, there'd be a lot less trusting that when you break into somebody's house, that when you shoot up a, a mall, a school, a government building such as this, that we may be able, may be able to have those people with those bad intentions not trust that they're going to be able to complete their objective whatever it is uh do you think teachers would be comfortable in carrying guns in class what if they refuse um so the purpose of this is not to force anyone into carrying a firearm this the purpose of of allowing teachers to arm themselves is for teachers and if they if they want to put some ridiculous standard and say you have to go through x amount of hours of training the x amount of this x amount of that get these certifications yada 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 then that's fine um but the idea is that you enable them to exercise their rights not to not to prohibit them and to leave them as well as their students unarmed you allow them the opportunity um so anyways i, I i've got to continue on i do appreciate your questions there john um so this this shooting, when the media gets all hyped up about the silencers and the suppressors, um, when Donald Trump says, I don't like them, it's not a good day for the Second Amendment. It's not a good day for um, hearing protection. It's not a good day for, for hunters. It's not good for uh, uh, competition shooters. You know, these are, these are people that utilize the suppressors um, quite frequently because... If you're hunting, you want to be quiet as possible. These don't; these are not your Hollywood suppressors. They're not pew 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 shooting out of a fifty cal, right? They're, you still have a large boom. You still have a large amount of gas that is being moved, um, regardless of whatever size it is. And uh, thank you. Um, and and so 
looking to constrict this, looking to be able to straw man and, and take away bit by bit. This is what the gun control crowd has always been doing. Um, it's not, it's not a leap forward and taking all of your guns. It's taking your guns one bit at a time. Take away this person's right. Take away that person's right. Take away this gun. Take away that accessory. Take away this, that, and the other. And down the slope, we continue on. Eventually, we may look up, may look a lot like uh, uh, Britain or maybe even Venezuela, where our own government is trampling us with uh, with different vehicles. Um, it's a it's a scary, scary world. And seeing Trump say that about I don't like them in reference to suppressors, um, it really does. Uh, it, it, it irks me. It, it really genuinely irks me. Um, I, I wish that his promises, um, I wish that his promise on the campaign trail actually held some weight whatsoever. Mm. Speaking of waiting, I know, wait with the, with the E-I-G-H-T, and now we're going to go into the wait. The W-A-I-T. Um, we're going to have to wait a little while down in Texas. Austin, Texas. Uh, the governor just passed a bill banning red light cameras. Now, what we're going to have to wait on is that there are some, some cameras companies that are privately owned that have contracts with those cities. And so these ones are not going to be able to go away. But... The more important part, on Saturday afternoon, Greg Abbott, Governor Greg Abbott, announced via Twitter that he had signed a piece of legislation that bans red light cameras statewide. What's a red light camera, you may ask? If you guys uh, live out in the, in the woods, live out in the sticks, red light camera, of course, is one of those cameras that as soon as it turns red, if you are in that intersection, you're safe. But if you go into that intersection after the time in which it turns red, they snap a picture and they send you the fee. They send you the ticket. I've been opposed to anything like this, like uh, speed trap cameras, red light cameras. These things have always been deemed to be uh, unconstitutional by many people who uh, agree with or have really embodied the tenor of that compact. Um, because one of the things is, is that you're supposed to be able to face your accuser. You can't face your accuser if your accuser doesn't have a face. And certainly cameras emulate that they do. You could try to personify them and say they have a face and that's their big one eye. But simply don't. Um, this red light camera thing, that's a beautiful thing. And um, it was it was House, House Bill 1631 passed the, US, or the Texas Senate 23 to 8 in mid-May. And he had until June 16th to sign into law or to veto it. Um, well, he made that deadline and he passed it in. Red light cameras violate the right to due process guaranteed under Article 1 of the Constitution by creating a presumption that the registered owner of the car committed a violation when in fact that might not have been the case. So that's that's their justification and I, I, I like that. I like that justification. You give your, your buddy a, your car... He's driving down the road. He's texting and driving because, you know, he doesn't care about your property. Um, burns through a red light and you get the fine for it. Now you don't trust him and now you also have to pay the fine. Um, good for them to get rid of that. <clears throat> These cameras. Um, 
KXAN, who uh, wrote this article, research found that there was no official engineering study for cameras at nine intersections in Austin, and the cameras had produced $5.6 million in fines for the city in over eight years. These sound like revenue schemes, don't they? It sounds like the government is always trying to find ways to get getting uh, more revenue, to get more money coming in for your safety, for your safety, mind you. Those t- seatbelt tickets, you pay these fines. If you don't want to pay the fines, we'll throw you in jail. And uh, if you don't want to go to jail, we might have to beat you on the way in. Don't worry. It's about your safety. Um, this right here, it's, it's, it's just that, right? $5.6 million in fines over eight years. Mm. That's over half a million a year. That's, that's a good abundance of money. It's good to see them getting rid of this. Uh, the law banning red lights cameras will go into effect after September 1st, but some cameras may not be removed immediately because of an amendment that lets cities keep them in place until contracts with private companies expire. <coughs> so that's some, some exciting stuff. Always exciting. It's nice to see, and I always cherish it. I cherish it. Absolutely cherish it. Whenever we see the government getting smaller whenever it, it it takes away one of its revenue streams whenever it, it it gets out of your life and uh allows you to be free here is another topic that i wanted to cover with you guys on friday night and um as the horrible show host that i've been for you guys i slipped on it i didn't give it to you this was the trump tariffs now i i i, I know i sound like a a, a deranged somebody with trump derangement syndrome tonight two big topics that i got hit trump for um if you guys have been following me long enough you guys know i'm objective with with trump i say when he's right i say when he's wrong and on both of these stances there i've seen already so much defense for tariffs that we have to hit it once more once again one more time again one more again all right so trump's tariffs on mexico imports would be biggest tax increase in decades If the tariffs ramp up all the way to 25%, as Trump has threatened, they would be the biggest tax increase since 1968. Yes, the president of the United States that passed the tax cuts and jobs acts, which I loved and hoped that they would continue down that trend of cutting our taxes, making it cheaper for us to live, giving us more of our paychecks, allowing us to spend it the way that we want to. That same president has imposed tariffs... Worldwide, he has been in the tariff war with China, and it, there's no signs of it stopping. There's been a slight hiatus for a little while. There's been a pause. But now it's back on, and it's ramping up, and it's continuing to go. And now he's threatening it against Mexico. Now, why are we going after Mexico? What is the purpose behind going behind, after Mexico for this? Well, if Mexico is not doing enough on their side of the border to prevent people from immigrating into our country, then we shall impose tariffs. Now, the first one is 5%, and then it goes up to, I believe it was, let me pull it up. The 5% import tax is scheduled to take first on June 10th, so in seven days, would push the cumulative cost of Trump's trade war ahead of the 1993 tax increase signed by the... uh, um, I believe that this goes up every 5% for every every couple weeks or months up to the maximum of 25%. And if it gets to the 25%, that is a permanent, a permanent 
25%. So he decides to swing it away. Um, I want to I wanna read this article for you guys. This is from Reason. This is where I've been pulling this information from. President Donald Trump is about to challenge Bill Clinton and Lyndon Johnson. All right. Let me see if I can blow this up for you guys a little bit and uh, swap it on over here. President Donald Trump is about to challenge Bill Clinton and Lyndon Johnson for a record few Republicans would want to achieve. If Trump follows through with his plan to hit all Mexican imports with tariff, the 5% import taxes scheduled to take effect on June 10th would push the cumulative cost of the Trump's trade war ahead of the 1993 tax increase signed by then-President Bill Clinton. Hmm. The tariffs imposed by the Trump administration would generate $69 billion in, in federal revenue over a full year, equivalent to about 0.3% of, of GDP. Mm. So we are fighting over pennies. We're fighting over pennies on this. Um, one thing that is unequivocally clear, and I want to make it just as clear for you guys, whenever you impose a tariff on a foreign country, what is that? That is a tax on you, the consumer. If I were to say anyone who buys from Walmart, Walmart now has to spend an extra 5%. Let's just, let's, let's just use numbers. $5. Every transaction Walmart does, they have to give $5. Walmart is not going to sell you the gum for a dollar. Walmart is then going to say, eh, our average consumer does this amount and this is the, the average. And so we're going to bump up all of the prices of all of our goods to make it to where you pay for it. Now, of course, when you have these tariffs, the idea, and much like what we have with China, is the idea that you don't, you don't go to China for that. You don't go to Walmart. You go, in China's reference, you go to America. In my Walmart reference, you go to Costco. You go somewhere else for these goods. Basic economics determines that when you reduce the supply, but the demand stays the same, the price for those goods goes up. So Costco and American goods will go up in turn. Now when those cost of goods go up, what also follows? Smaller businesses go out. So if you're in favor, of, if you're a fan of small businesses, and I happen to be anti-monopoly, and so the only way to be anti-monopoly is to enable more businesses, to enable more competition, to enable more commerce, is to oppose these tariffs, to oppose new taxation on the economies, on the commerce. And so these tariffs, we are learning once again that tariffs are a tax. Taxes are bad. Tariffs are bad. And, and we can try to justify them all that we want to. The end result of every historical tariff doesn't mean that you, the consumer, comes out on the better end. Cost of living goes up, your cost to produce goods goes up, your cost to import goods goes up, your, your cost, just the cost of everything goes up. It's not to our benefit. And so 
Trump threatening Mexico. I I I hope that at the by the end of this, you can look at any time that somebody says we're tariffing this country. You look at what is what is coming from that country, and Mexico is a big auto dealer, um, or auto manufacturer. Auto's coming in. Now they've got a bigger tariff. Now if I want to go buy a new car, it's going to cost more money. If I want to buy a used car, it's going to cost more money. Because there's less cars that are going to be coming across from the Mexico border. So that means that the, those that are being produced here, they either a, have to step their game up. And with us having wars with China over, uh, uh, what, what was the term? Precious metals? Not precious metals. Um, uh, specialty metals. With those also being attacked and, and being reduced, right? We can't manufacture as much. So there's, there's, there's this big, giant hurricane of just terrible atrocities happening to, to, the, uh, to the economy. And we can brag about the economy of last year and how it's been booming and how it's doing better. Now starts the downfall. Now starts the, the when we get into the questionables. Um, there's been a couple of economists that have been calling for a a big recession to come, one that's larger than the 2008 housing market crash. Um, you have that to worry about, and that's that's been speculated before Trump came into office. So you have that big worry. You have these tariff wars, which is putting a lot of people into questioning attitudes, into wondering how the future of the economy is going to go. Um, you have actions of of what actual politics are going on. You've got antitrust issues going on. You've got um, just general overreach of the government, in my opinion. But uh, things that the government's been doing that have been causing um, questioning attitudes of of and questioning the confidence of the consumers. We're moving further into shaky ground. We're not getting to stable, solid ground anymore. We're getting to thin ice, and uh, somebody it happens to be tapping it with a pole, and it's it's a pretty heavy pole. And uh, you know, I I I hope, I hope that I am I am crying wolf. I hope that I'm I'm saying the sky is falling. I hope that I'm completely wrong on this, and I'm gonna wake up. Um, every day for the next 10 years, 15, 20 years, 30 years, and the economy is going to be doing better and better each day. Um, I just, I don't see it. I really just genuinely don't see it. And this this threat on Mexico, strong-arming them through trade, punishing the American citizens, the, the commerce here in this country, because Mexico fails to uphold their end of their border, um, really does show that we want to... We not only want to control the people in our country, but we also want to control the people in other countries. This is, oh, it's worrisome. I can't be the only one to be worried about this, right? I'm not the only one, right? All right. I got one more big topic. You guys want me to open up the phone lines? I'll open up the phone. If you guys want to call in, feel free to call in. The phone number is 802-671. Five three two eight. I will get my phone up and ready. Oh wow! I have my comment section is not working on my phone. That's good. Rare Earth. Oh man! Welcome in, Jesse Miller. Welcome in, Rare Earth. It might be Rare Earth. Let's not forget about random meters. 
Uh, all great nations throughout time fail, falls. Yes, but I don't want it to be America. All right, phone line is open for you guys there, 802-671-5328. Um, I do have some breaking news from uh, this evening. I haven't had very much time. I was coming back from physical therapy. I oh, I just need to take a, take a second. Physical therapy is amazing. If you If you guys have back injuries, opt in for the physical therapy. Because if you've got a good physical therapist, and, and mine certainly is, um, the way she manipulates my back, I walk out of there walking out on cloud, cloud nine. It is oh, perfection. Um, and that, that's what enables me to stay here and talk with you guys about all this stuff. Uh, if not, I'd be, I'd be cooped up like what you guys saw spike for a month and a half, two months. Um, I'd be in that same condition. But nonetheless, I'm here. So I want to read through this with you guys. House Judiciary uh, Committee launches a top-to-bottom antitrust probe of big tech. Now, I first want to start off. Anytime we talk about antitrust, I would love to know why it is that the government, a monopoly, gets to dictate over other monopolies and break up other monopolies, but they themselves are not susceptible to the laws in which they impose. I just want equality. I don't want this animal farm anymore. I don't want it to where everyone is equal, but some are more equal than others. Where you have you have members of Cong- Congress calling for gun control, calling to remove uh, fully automatic weapons entirely beyond what the uh, NFA is, to call for those removals and then yet... The Senate Minority Leader Chuck Schumer owns one. Yet Democrats across the board own firearms. They carry their firearms because they need their protection. But we the people are not susceptible to that. I'm tired of this. Everyone is equal, but some are more equal than others. So this antitrust probe. House Judiciary Committee said Monday is launching a top-to-bottom antitrust investigation of the tech industry, including Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Hmm. Deepening a crisis for Silicon Valley's largest players as they face mounting scrutiny in Washington over their power and influence. The Democratic-led investigations comes as the Justice Department and the Federal Trade Commissions are taking the first step towards a political probe of their own into Google, according to three people familiar with the matter. Regulators have negotiated to divide oversight of the tech industry between two agencies in recent weeks, these people said. The two agencies have also reportedly split up oversight of Amazon, Apple, and Facebook. So they're they're at least splitting it up to check this all out. That's good of them. Uh, Long the darling of investors and politicians, the tech industry has come under intense pressure amid an array of privacy missteps disinformation scandals, and allegations of anti-competitive behavior. Privacy missteps. Government has been guilty of that. Disinformation scandals. Government has been guilty of that. And allegations of anti-competitive behavior. Government has been guilty of that. Let's go through, Let's go into those a little bit. Privacy missteps. We have seen people uh, where government officials have released unredacted information about providing information of innocent personnel. This has happened time and time and time and time and time and time and time again. Disinformation scandals. Uh, Waco, uh, Ruby Ridge. Uh, we can, uh, 
Here's, here's one that not many people have heard about, and I hope you guys will do your research on it. Killdozer. Um, there's, there's, there's so many of these, these incidents where people are, are doing things, and it really does become a scandal on the side of the government, and they just they, they willfully get away from it. When it comes to other scandals, let's look at what happened during the Obama administration. Um, we can talk about uh, Fast and Furious. We can talk about there's been scandals in every single presidential uh, term. Mm. Not held liable for that one. Uh, Allegations of anti-competitive behavior. There are many states in which if you would like to provide for the needy, you would like to go to a public place and provide food to the poor, food to the homeless, food to people just out of the goodness of your heart because you have a surplus of food, they have a desire for food, and you would like to give that to them. Just donate that to them. The government says, no, 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 no. You can't give to them. And they send their police thugs after you. Sounds like competition. We... We can go on with the the anti-competitive stuff. I'm going to have to digress just to be able to continue on. Industry critics such as Massachusetts Democratic Senator Elizabeth Warren, a presidential candidate, got to make sure you guys remember, Senator Focahontas, presidential candidate, have called for tough new regulations and demanded that the companies be broken up. Tough new regulations. She wants to cover freedom of speech. That's that's the basis. Uh, The industry... Probe will be wide-ranging Rhode Island Democratic Representative uh, David Ciceline, who heads the panel subcommittee on antitrust and is leading the investigation, said it is aimed less at specific companies than the tremendous concentration of market power held by Silicon Valley's most dominant platforms. What's interesting, if we look at the way that these are all broken down, Amazon, Apple, Facebook, and Google. Now, Google is an infrastructure. Google is something that is is more than just your web browser. Um, there are many different ways to get involved with Google, um, whether it's your email, whether it's a search engine, whether it's a, a database, whether it's a, a platform people to, to exchange information on, whatever it is. You have Apple. Apple is very similar. They, we all know who Apple is. Amazon, they're just a giant seller. They They... They provide a really good product at a really low price at an extremely fast return. Um, You know, there's oftentimes jokes that, you know, you'll go out drinking one night while you're drunk. You open your phone, you flip through Amazon, you say, yep, 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 yep. And you buy a bunch of stuff. You wake up the next day, you're hungover, and you hear the door knock at noon, and you're like, oh, man, it's already here. You go out there and you find out you bought just the most random, ridiculous stuff. It's a slight exaggeration. It takes usually a day after that. But nonetheless, extremely cheap. You're not going to be mad at yourself, your drunk self, uh, very quick. And it's at a low price. Or it's at a low price and it's it's decent quality stuff, right? You can pick your own quality on that. Um, And then Facebook. Facebook relies on Google and Apple. So they've got this tiering, right? They, these are, are four separate entities um, that have got, quote unquote, the monopoly on this. 
And they've been able to prevent others from getting involved. Facebook does own Instagram and it owns a, a, another couple of social media platforms. They have kind of a, an over-encompassing control over this. And so I understand the desire to uh, to limit this. Now, one way that this we can overturn this, one way that we can destroy this is by actually getting people that are involved with freedom that actually value freedom. Now, whether that's freedom of speech, freedom of association, freedom of whatever, to be able to create an infrastructure like Google to enable us to be able to have social media platforms like Facebook, where you can have the all-encompassing household goods such as your iPads, your iPhones, your, your iMacs, your whatever it is like Apple and be able to sell like on Amazon. That's the only way that we can do this. And that that's by the free market. When you take the government and they come in and they start disrupting things, it doesn't end well. It doesn't always bode well. We've seen this time and time again, but where are we? Key areas for the investigation include the tech industry's impact on local journalism, consumer privacy, and the ability for new startups to enter the marketplace. New startups, they have to align with the terms and conditions. Otherwise, Google or Apple should never be forced to to have them on their their platform. One big uh, idea that comes to mind was Gab.ai. If you guys ever heard of Gab, Gab was a free speech platform. They basically said, as long as you're not doxing each other or making uh, making threats of, of each other, do what you want to do. And both Google and Apple both prevented it from being on their stores. They prevented it from being easily transmitted through their platforms. I agree with them owning their platforms and be able to prevent that. But when you when you talk about the ability for new startups to enter the marketplace. I hope that this doesn't turn into that bake that cake once again, where, oh, you've got a platform. You have to accept these people. I don't want that. I want to have an actual free market. I want to actually see where people who value the opinions, the views, and the stances of anyone and everyone to be able to be free to associate and to speak, to, to enjoy the platforms of others. That's what I would like to see. And maybe maybe one day I've got to go pick up my own shovel and i got to start doing the work myself. Maybe i got to go to school for that. Who knows? But that, that's the way it should be going. Consumer privacy, here's, here's, here's the thing that people don't like to hear. When it comes to your consumer privacy, how many people take the time to read the terms and conditions? How many people just see it, scroll to the bottom, click I accept, and move on with their day. Yeah, I know. All of us are in that last category. I'm right there with you. If you're worried about your privacy, you shouldn't be using the platforms without reading them. It's not up to the government to tell you to be or to protect you from these businesses. It's up to you to be principled enough to not need someone to guide you through this stuff, but for you to go, all right, this is has the potential to have a large enough impact on my life that I'm going to sit down and I'm going to go through all of this boring legal speak. I'm going to have Google open on one page and I'm going to read the terms and conditions of Google on the other page and I'm going to just type it in there and I'm going to work through this stuff. 
you really care about your privacy, you need to look into the stuff. Local journalism, how is that being affected? Well, of course, we know how Google algorithms work. We know how Facebook censors speech and, and basically has become a publisher um, despite the, uh, what was that? Online Decency Act, I think it was, where they basically have a protection from being a publisher. That's something that a lot of people need to start looking into is that that uh, Online Decency Act. <coughs> so, they, yes, they have a lot of control on this stuff. This isn't grounds for more government. It's not going to be the betterment for us. It's going to actually be uh, contrary to what we expect and what we hope. Um I don't I don't see this. I see this as the another one of those good intentions, but the outcome will never be what we actually want it to be. Bring back slingshots. I'm down. Um but it's I don't know. I've never been a fan of the antitrust act. Um and the ways that these things have been working because the intention's always good. The intention's with anything that anyone ever advocates for the government for. The intention's always good. I'm never going to doubt your intentions, right? When you say, look, I want gun control. I understand that your intention is that you want to reduce gun violence. You want to reduce people being killed, being harmed, being, being suicided by their own firearms. I understand that's your intent. But the problem is that when we look at the logic all the way through, we will see that that's not the end result. We don't see lives being bettered by even outright banning firearms like what they have in the UK. But you actually saw higher increases of, of sexual assault, of rape, of violence, of stabbings, of bleaching, of of other forms of atrocities. And it doesn't end with the uh, the results that you want to. This antitrust movement, this investigation... Um, I. I think it's going to be the same thing as always. And and maybe I'm just the biggest pessimist. Maybe I am. And that's that's fine. I could be a huge pessimist because I don't trust the government because the government has never helped anybody. Genuinely has never helped anyone. You know who it's helped? It's helped members of Congress become wealthy. It gave them a means. They, they uh, ceded the powers to themselves and then sold that to the bureaucrats for a paycheck. They've gained the power over the years after administration and administration. They've taken that power. They've ignored the shackles of the Constitution. And they've utilized that for their own personal gain. If you don't believe me, look at how many members of Congress are millionaires. Ask them how many of them will release their tax returns. I don't want them to. I, I don't want to compel them to, but they wouldn't. And if they would, they hide a lot of their stuff anyways. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, but with that, guys, I think I'm going to be bidding you guys adieu. I want you guys to make sure you guys tune in for the rest of the week. Tomorrow night, you got Spike and Matt. You got Spike on Wednesday, and you got Matt on Thursday. And then I'll be finishing off the week on Friday. Make sure you guys tune in to us on Facebook, on YouTube, on Twitter, on Periscope. Uh, you can find us at Muddy Waters of Freedom on Facebook and on YouTube, on Twitter and Periscope. It's muddied underscore underscore waters. And you can always find all of our episodes, this one and all the previous ones, at muddiedwatersoffreedom.com. You can find us 
on all of your favorite podcast apps. With that, guys, I'm going to bid you all adieu. I hope you all have a great night. I am Mr. Murka, the Bearded Truth, Jason Lyon. I'll see you guys throughout the week and on Friday night. Have a great night, and I'll see you guys here soon. Adios.